Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. One, two, one, two. Yes, sir, we are back. Another edition of the Guard Your Grill Boxing Podcast. My name is Roberto Flack. I'm going to be holding down the fort tonight. My man R.O.D. is going to be uh, joining us shortly. And lots of boxing to cover. Obviously, we are coming off the big weekend this past weekend. Cotto Canelo has come and gone. Uh, we're going to be talking about not only the main event, but also the undercard, which I think um, anybody who watched the card would definitely agree that the uh, well, we'll get into it, but let's just say that we potentially saw fight of the year on the undercard, as well as Guillermo Rigondeaux, which we'll also talk about. Um, there's some announcements, uh, or at least one official announcement uh, for a fight coming on January 23rd, which would be the premiere of the PBC on Fox. For those who aren't aware, Fox has joined the PBC conglomerate as far as all the networks are concerned and if you think about it they're all uh, Al Heyman pretty much has all all the major uh, networks in in his pocket man for for the time being so we're going to dive into that there's obviously this weekend's uh, big heavyweight fight with uh, Vladimir Klitschko and Tyson Fury we're going to be talking about uh, you know, just uh, the intangibles in the fight, give our predictions. And the fight is at, if you're in the United States, you're in the East Coast, it is at 4.30 p.m. They're going to re-air the fight on HBO around like 10.30 with the replay of Cotto Canelo. But uh, just, you know, an FYI for anybody who has plans at night, uh, you can catch the fight in the afternoon around like 4.30 is when the main event is going to start. And HBO will be um, televising that fight. So um, till I, uh, until Ryder Dad gets on, because, you know, I, I wanted to really just pick his brain as well as far as uh, the undercard is concerned. Um, yeah, man, I mean, we are already at the tail end, or really, yeah, the tail end of uh, 2015. And, you know, one of, the, one of the things leading up to Cotto Canelo, man, and has been somewhat of a constant uh, with our shows uh, since really, I want to say March, has been just the constant of boxing uh, that we've been seeing. And, and, you know, when I mentioned the network deals between Al Heyman and, and you know, the PBC brand, uh, you know, th- there's, it, there's, it's a period that I, I want to say even just the regular, or I would say regular, but uh, maybe boxing fans that have been uh, fans for, like, around, like, that 10-year mark. Uh, you know, this, this is something new to everybody. <laughs> and, and, you know, leading up to this fight, I was, you know, I made mention that uh, a fight of this caliber, you know, meaning Cotto Canelo, is the type of fight that, you know, truthfully, we, you know, in, in most cases, we would have been like just waiting for without there being any real filler fights to um, lead up to. But, you know, 
on the contrary, from when the fight was announced, you know, we've had, I mean, I want to say with the exception of maybe a couple of weeks, you know, we, we had a lot of boxing. <laughs> and, um, and we had one pay-per-view, uh, you know, consisted of Gennady Golovkin and David Lemieux. Granted, didn't do very well at the box office. But, you know, we all saw the fight. And, you know, in between all that, between all of the, you know, the, the PBC fights and, you know, some of the HBO cards, I mean, we, we've been really busy to the point where, you know, Cotto Canelo and, the, you know, the entire card kind of just snuck up on us. And, you know, and that's not a bad thing, you know. But, you know, I think leading into next month, you know, we, we got fights coming up next month with, uh, um, well, particularly Peter Quillen versus Danny Jacobs. That's going to be in show, on Showtime uh, coming out of the Barclay Center in Brooklyn. You know, that's, um, you know, that's obviously a fight that, that uh, is uh, gaining interest. As far as uh, when you when you think about you know some some of the top middleweights, but you know we always get brought back to some of these guys not being able to fight one another. But you know now we have Erzlandi um, Lara who's trying to make some noise. He's fighting uh, actually uh, tomorrow night down here in South Florida. I'm, you know I'm obviously coming out of South Florida, and the, the rest of the crew is up in Philly. Um, he's going to be fighting a. Uh, Jan Zavik uh, here in Hialeah in the Miami area. And, you know, from if anybody's been following Erislandi Lara, you know, he's been a guy that's been very vocal about, you know, trying to get big fights, trying, you know, calling out Triple G and, you know, I, I guess throwing shots at Canelo again, saying, you know, he, you know, he, he wants to fight him again. Uh, you know, obviously the, the, the big thing with that, though, is, you know, we all understand while boxing is in our face constantly and i would say even more so than last year there's still the issue of certain matchups not being able to be made due to network issues and due to whoever's promoting who which again is a sour note still but you know for for uh Arizlandi Lara man i mean i think he's a guy that we become very familiar with as far as if you're somebody who's a one of the hardcore fans and, you know, we've seen him in the ring with Austin Trout, Canelo Alvarez. And, and you know, he's, he, he's a guy that is, again, not, not the kind of fighter that people are jumping up to fight because, you know, he just has a very difficult style. But I think he's also a fighter that is in need of a, of a big fight. And, you know, when you think about the, the, the Peter Quillen and Danny Jacobs fight and you think about, you know, Erzlandi Lara calling out Triple G. I mean, I, I think the reality of that is, is that, that that might be a difficult fight to make, again, because of the whole situation with the networks and the promoters and, and, you know, things like that. But, you know, when you think about maybe potentially fighting the winner of Quillen versus Jacobs, that's an interesting fight, you know. And I think for, for Erzlandi Lara, um, you know, the talk of him moving up to middleweight, you know, that that's – in a sense, a good start um, if he's going to actually, you know, go and approach that. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to, you know, sit tight and see, you know, how everything plays out and um, see what happens with Erislandi Lara. But um, I'm going to, uh, you know, RD is going to be joining us shortly, but I'm just going to jump real quick um, into <laughs> where, you know, where everybody's obviously um, – you know, with still fresh on the minds of, of everybody from last Saturday night, Cotto versus Canelo. 
Um, start with the undercard, and particularly I'll just start with, um, you know, Guillermo Rigondeau. Uh, you know, Guillermo Rigondeau, it, you know, for you know, those who weren't aware, I'm pretty sure a lot of you are aware, he uh, signed a deal with Rock Nation after just like months and maybe a little, little probably a couple of years or over a year and a half since he left uh, top-ranked promotions. Uh, you know, he's kind of been in limbo. And, and you know, myself and Coltrane, you know, we, I remember we were talking about before the year uh, wrapped up last year that, you know, Guillermo Rigondeau had a fight on January, or excuse me, on December 31st, uh, 2014 in Japan, um, in, in a sense, in a high school gym. And, you know, you, when you think about fighters that are regarded as, you know, when you talk about the pound-for-pound pound list and you talk about fighters that skill-wise are just, like, beyond the charts, uh, you know, it's it's almost sad that somebody like Guillermo Rigondeau uh, doesn't have the notoriety in the big scheme of things like some of his other contemporaries has. And when you look at, a, you know, a fight that's coming up uh, between, uh, you know, the Quig and Frampton fight, you know, I mean, th- that, those two guys are fighters that should be fighting uh, Guillermo Rigondeau. But again, it comes down to the whole promotion side of things. It comes down to looking at somebody like Rigondeau and thinking like, is this the, t- is this the kind of fighter I want to face? Because of the fact that he's just, again, another very difficult guy to fight. I mean, just defensively sound, uh, very quick, very sharp. Uh, but, you know, the, what we saw Saturday night, man, um, I think even for the, the 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 most hardcore boxing fan that looks you know that that loves the sweet science and and just looks at just the little subtle things a fighter does. I mean, I I gotta think that along with myself, it was a really tough watch, <laughs> you know. And and you know, and some people were were making the mention of uh you know Guillermo Rigondeau not not fighting for quite a while and and getting this fight on a few weeks notice. And you know what? Some people can, you know, in some cases you can give them the benefit of the doubt in, in, in that regard. But um, I think for Rigondeau, that the whole thing about him, and I think a major reason why people don't look to fight him is because, again, he, he's not a guy that is necessarily going to try to engage with you. You know, he's a counterpuncher. He's very quick. Um, can can make it a very long night for you and kind of, in a sense, mentally just take you out of the fight. And, you know, we kind of saw that with Donaire and, and other fights he's had. Um, and, and what we saw Saturday night, man, against a guy that he was just clearly, clearly overmatched, uh, you know, I, I think, I think for, for, for trying to position yourself for a big fight, or to try to make some type of noise. I mean, I don't think he did that. And and it's funny because Max Kellerman made mention of it. Like he he kind of compared Rigondeau to the New England Patriots. And it's kind of funny how he drew the correlation where it was like, uh, you know, the, the the Patriots don't do anything necessarily really special. They they're just very precise and, and very calculated with how they play. <laughs> um, Rigging out, that is kind of what it is, man. I mean, he doesn't go out of his way to please anybody. He fights his fight no matter what people think. But, you know, with, with boxing, it's 
it's kind of a double-edged sword. You know, you know, it, you know part of it is a skill factor, wh- what happens in the ring, but, you know, there's the other side of it that is entertainment. And that's kind of been a staple in boxing for, like, a, quite a long time. And I think that's where Rigandau has kind of fallen short as far as uh, being a guy that the, the, the guy next door who doesn't really watch boxing will say, hey, what's up with this guy of uh, Rigandau? You know, I have never really seen anybody in, in my uh, experience, you know, when I talk to people, you know, friends of mine who aren't like the biggest boxing fans, but, you know, they'll come to me to kind of get the, you know, the no. You know, I I very very rarely or if ever have I seen somebody who has seen Rigandau fight and come to me and say, hey, man, who the hell is this guy? Uh, you know, actually, a couple people, but, like, just in the big scheme of things, again, man, like, Rigandau is a, is, a, is a boxing fan's wet dream, I mean, if you will. Uh, I mean, he, he does a lot of things um, just exceptionally well, but, again, he, he doesn't bring in those type of crowds because his style isn't for the everyday sports fan. I mean, that's just the reality. And, you know, coming off of that fight, you know, you know there's talks of, uh, you know, he, him saying that he would fight uh, Roman Gonzalez, Chocolatito, up from, coming up from flyweight, and he said he would meet him at 118 pounds. Now, I've seen uh, Guillermo Rigondeaux fight in person and I could tell you that the guy is really small. I mean, he's barely 5'4", and wet, he's probably weighing like 123, 124 pounds on, on, on his fattest day. You know, he's a really small guy. And, you know, when you think about Chocolatito, he's another small guy that probably weighs 120, 121 pounds, maybe a little more the night of a fight. Um, and another thing is funny that, that Riggin, I mean, I'm sorry, Kellerman, mentioned, and I agree with him with this, is that, you know, sometimes you need a fighter uh, to go in there to really try to give you a fight, and the best of you will come out. And we kind of saw that in shades against uh, get him, I mean, against uh, Nonito Donaire, who, mind you, going into the fight, people were he- putting him up there, um, you know, with the likes of Manny Pacquiao, obviously because of the Filipino descent, but you know, that got shut down really fast in that fight because Donaire really won one round, which is the knockdown. But, again, coming off of that fight, Rigano hasn't really done anything. And I think uh, with the fact that he, he's it – seems, it seems to me that he doesn't want to fight Lomachenko at 126 pounds. That's, the, in, in a sense, the dream fight that, that people would want. But, you know, when you think about, uh, that, uh, you know, Vasily Lomachenko, he – in the Olympics, fought at lightweight, you know, and, and he came down as a professional to, at featherweight. But for him to come down to like 125 or 124 or 123 or something like that, I mean, I think at that point you're 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 asking for trouble. And, and I think both parties are kind of looking at each other like, you know, we don't need this fight. You know, what I mean, this is a fight that I think the boxing fans would love. But again, from my experience of seeing Rigandau, I mean, he can make 118 pounds tomorrow. And maybe the Chocolatito fight does make sense. I mean, I just think for him, he's going up not one, but two weight classes up against one of the best defensive fighters uh, in this generation. If not, you know, you could put him like on the top list 
uh, of guys that that are just you know incredibly difficult to fight. You know, but um, Rigano doesn't have a lot of room, or he doesn't have a lot of options, man. And I think um, him sticking around 122 pounds and, and not being able to fight the Framptons or the Quigs of the world. I think he's going to, again, be still be in a situation where he can get a big fight. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens as far as uh, where they go with, or, or well, really Rock Nation, where they go with, uh, the, the, you know, the future of, of Guillermo Morigano and what kind of fights uh, they can put him in. So, you know, we'll have to kind of wait and see for that. Uh, but let's... Let's talk about the fight <laughs> that I think a lot – I want to say are talking about just as much as Cotto Canelo, which was the, the fight just before, which was Francisco Vargas against Takashi uh, Miura. Wow. <laughs> I mean, these are the type of fights that, you know, you see in the movies. <laughs> you know, this is like your Rocky situation, man. Um it's just amazing. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's hard for me, again, it's hard for me to put it into words, but um, just an amazing display of heart from Francisco Vargas. Um, Taki, you know, Takashi Miura was, um, you know, really looking good against Francisco Vargas. I mean, it was, a, in a sense, a back-and-forth fight, but uh, Miura was um, landing hard punches on Vargas, I mean, to the point where his right eye got split. Um, in the course of the fight, and then even as the fight progressed, uh, you know, uh, Mura just was kept landing on that eye. And then I think at the point where he hurt uh, Francisco Vargas late in the fight, uh, you saw that cut open, and you, you're thinking at that point, oh, man, let, let's stop this fight. And, and Tony Weeks was the ref, and, you know, Tony Weeks has been known to be a fighter's ref, which is why I'm not surprised he stopped it when he stopped it. but almost out on his feet and Francisco Vargas somehow, some way found a way to just land a solid shot on Mura and wobbled him and dropped him. From that point, gets up. He's, he's clearly not there. Um, Tony Weeks, again, gives him a chance. Francisco Vargas just gathered up any, all the heart that he had, any, all the energy that he could muster and took out Takashi Mura at the very end and won by a TKO stoppage in one of the most amazing fights I've seen in recent times. I mean, and when you think about, you know, fight of the year candidates, man, I mean, you've got to put this up there. If not as, as the first, as the, the lead candidate, man. Uh, again, you, it, this is stuff that you see in the movies and, I'm sitting there with, you know, again, like about like 20, 25 people. And I think like as the fight was progressing, it was, you know, because I have, and I'm sure a lot of you <laughs> have friends like this that are casual boxing fans and will just, you know, wait for the main event. This fight by like the fourth, fifth round started catching the attention of all the people that were watching, that were there. And when I tell you when that knockout happened, I mean, I, it was like, a roar in my house, man. I mean, it was it was pretty pretty crazy to see, man. And you know, you got to give a lot of props to Francisco Vargas, man. I mean, when you talk about heart, guts, determination, man, not quitting, 
I mean, this is the true sign of a warrior, man. And, and you know, I know there's people that, that will, will kind of shine down on that fight and say, you know, it was stupid. These people were hurting themselves. And, but, you know, this is just another side of boxing, man. And, and I think at the same time, man, you have to show respect and give props to Vargas, who really put his career and potentially his life on the line uh, you know, for this moment, man, and, and it's another reason why I have such an admiration and respect for boxers, uh, because it, it's like, it takes, it takes a lot for people to go through that, man, I mean, the, I can't even fathom the, the thought process of going uh, through being hurt that bad, being cut, you feel the blood just pouring out of your face, and just mustering that little bit of energy you have to just land potentially like your last big shot, and wow, man, I mean, regardless of what happens, you know, after this from Vargas, man, I mean, I think this is something that you'll always remember. I mean, I think it's a fight that a lot of us are going to remember for, you know, quite a while when we talk about undercard fights that sometimes, you know, steal the show. And, you know, you got to think, man, I mean, I think, you know, some people would agree that it did steal the show, even though, you know, the main event, you know, which I'll talk about next was, uh, uh, you know, a hell of a fight. But, you know, I got to say props to Francisco Vargas, props to, to Takashi Miura. Um, hell, of a, hell of a performance, really, from both guys, though, you know, like I said, Vargas had his downtime in the fight in, in a, where, where I thought he was about to lose and be taken out. And it's the quintessential never say never, man. And, you know, going into the fight, being undefeated, you think he's going to suffer his first loss, and boom, wow, it's just amazing, you know, so props to both guys, particularly Vargas, and I'm pretty sure, you know, I would suggest he take some time off, heal up, and, and you know, the 130-pound division, and, you know, you think about guys like Nicholas Walters, and, you know, it, it could get very interesting, so on to the main event, <laughs> Cotto versus Canelo, wow, man, um, Canelo Alvarez scores a unanimous decision over Miguel Cotto in a hard-fought battle that, I, you know, I think, if anything, the, the, the biggest downside to this was the scorecards. Um, I, I scored at 116-112 for uh, Canelo Alvarez. I mean, I think at the very end of the day, it, he was the harder puncher, uh, the sharper guy. He was landing the, the, the cleaner punches. Um, showed some pretty good defense in this fight, did not allow Miguel Cotto to land that left hook, uh, was fighting Cotto at a good range, was, was um, able to, to, to kind of, I mean, I, I think with one thing, he still has the problems with movers, because Cotto did move really well in that fight. I just think, you know, Cotto's jab wasn't effective. I thought it would be effective against Canelo, I just think he was too big and too strong. And, you know, when you look at the size differential in that fight, man, I mean, it looked like a light heavyweight versus uh, a, a, maybe a big welterweight. I mean, it, it looked like that in the ring. And, you know, Cotto showed signs of brilliance, man, uh, giving him movement, um, you know, throwing, throwing some nice combinations. But, you know, the, the one weapon in the fight, man, that was missing was that left hook. And, and without it, Cotto really had no chance, man. And, and I think with, with, uh, with Canelo Alvarez as well, man, I mean, he really showed that, you know, 
he's got facets in his game, man, that are starting to mature. And, you know, he was able to kind of, you know, do, do kind of, you know, do little feints here and there, but back up a little bit, let Cotto kind of lure Cotto in, and he would do these, he would step back a little bit and shoot those uppercuts. And he was landing them clean. And really, to Cotto's credit, man, I mean, his chin was game for this fight, man. And, and you know, he was getting hit with some right hands um, and, 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 you know, some of these uppercuts. But, you know, he Cotto ate him up, man. And I, I just think down the stretch, I want to say maybe from round eight and on, you know, can, you started to see um, who the stronger puncher was in this fight. You saw whose punches were having more of an effect. Again, even though Cotto didn't get dropped, didn't get necessarily hurt, you could see the difference between when Cotto landed on Canelo and when Canelo, when Canelo landed on Cotto. And, you know, I, I got to give props to Canelo Alvarez, man. I mean, I think we are seeing a fighter who is taking his craft serious. He's improving in every fight. And I think even more so in this, in this fight with Miguel Cotto, who I think is still a game fighter. Uh, I don't, I mean, I wouldn't put him in there with like the top one four guys, you know, when you think about the Charlos of the world and the Andrades of the world, you know, who I think are just like, again, too big for him. I, I still think he's a guy that could still give a lot of guys trouble, whether he wins or not is a different story. But I think at the same time, you know, we, we see the writing on the wall and, you know, Prasca ROD was making the references to the, to the 94 Civic. I want to say maybe he's a, a 2001, uh, a, two, a 2001 zooped up Jetta, if anything. But um, I think at the same time, man, like Miguel Cotto is a fighter that I, I think we're all in agreement that, you know, he's going to be in Canastota one day. He, you know, he, he, he's given us great fights. Um, I just think in this sense, it was a, a, it was a passing of the torch. It was, um, you know, just the bigger guy overwhelming the, the, the smaller fighter. And, you know, I, the one thing that, that was very interesting to me is that the Azteca um, telecast had Cotto winning like 117-111. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I had that total – I mean, I think that was totally off. Uh, and, you know, there's people who were – saying that I, I think more so because of what the scorecards were, you know, when you talk about 118, 109, and things like that, I, I think that that's really off base. I mean, again, if you scored at 116, 112, or even 117, 111, that, it's on the even. I, 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 I wouldn't argue that. Um, but, you know, for, for, for Canelo Alvarez, man, I, I mean, I think he showed that, uh, and you saw it, and you saw it in the post fight when he was, you know, visibly emotional. And you know, you think of um, him fighting Floyd Mayweather, and, and I think he kind of got a dose of reality, and maybe got a little humbled. Because uh, you know, you got to think, man. Uh, before that fight, I mean, I think Canelo Alvarez was being, you know, his, his ego was being fed. And I think when he fought Floyd, I think he he got a dose of reality, and and I think. This Cotto fight, though, again, he was the bigger, clearly the bigger guy in this fight. I mean, I think he showed things in the ring, particularly his defense, um, his punch selection. Still think he needs to work on cutting the ring off. 
Um, I mean, if I would say anything, I mean, I think that's something that they need to really work on. Uh, he looked good, man. I mean, Canelo Alvarez, again, is 25 years old and hasn't been really hurt in fights. And, and you, you know, I, the sky's the limit for this guy, man. And for Miguel Cotto, it's, uh, you know, again, man, like I think he has maybe one or two fights. But I want to say like one fight. And the only fight to me that makes any sense, and some people may harp on it because, you know, it, it's a welterweight coming up. But I think him and Bradley make for a decent fight. And, you know, when I think about like a potential last fight for Miguel Cotto in June, Barkley Center, likely. Um, you know, Bradley does present an interesting fight, but, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll you know, obviously revisit that uh, when the time comes. But uh, for Canelo Alvarez, I mean, look, man, let's not beat around the bush. <laughs> the elephant in the room that is at um, 160 pounds is Gennady Golovkin. And, you know, he was obviously asked about it um, prior, you know, after the fight. And, you know, he was kind of, in a sense, all gung-ho about it. But it's it's kind of a situation where he's like, you know, he has to fight at my weight. And, you know, my weight is meaning like 155 pounds. Now, when it concerns Canelo Alvarez, I said this prior to the fight uh, before Cotto. I think after this fight, he has to move to middleweight. And I think we saw that. <laughs> we saw proof of that. Uh, with how big he came in against uh, Miguel Cotto. I mean, they didn't, they didn't technically give a, 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 a fight night weigh-in, but looking at Canelo, he had to be in the 170-pound range, like the low 170-pound range. And if you're at that point, man, you're a middleweight. And I don't see what the point is um, for Canelo Alvarez and team to really keep him at 155 if – in fact, you're not going to fight any of the, you know, the, the Jamal Charlos of the world or the Demetrius Andrades of the world or even a Lara rematch or, or, or any of those guys. I mean, I think at this point, man, and, 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 and more importantly, if they're going to prepare to fight Gennady Golovkin, I think your best route is to start fighting legitimate middleweights because if and when that fight ever happens, He's fighting a legit middleweight. And for the first time would be his, relatively his size. Uh, so, and a little, you know, and a little taller. So, you know, I'm thinking, man, I mean, you, when you look at some of these fights that are out there, whether it be the Andy Lee versus uh, Billy Joe Saunders fight, you know, the winner of that, or you think about just, you know, top 10 middleweights that he can get in the ring with, you know, it's a start, and, and, and for me, I don't expect a Golovkin fight to happen just yet. I mean, look, we understand boxing's a business. We understand how things marinate. I don't think they're going to do the whole five-year wait type deal, but I think at the same time, you know, you don't want to wait that long, but you want to prepare <laughs> a Canelo to see some bigger guys, and, and I think that's the better way that, as opposed to when they were, they're talking about like, you know, trying to negotiate with Bradley for a catchweight fight. And I'm like, why are you doing that? You know, that's not, that's not prepping you for a guy like Golovkin. And, you know, th there's even like David Lemieux and there's, I mean, even though you came off a loss of triple G, I mean, again, I mean, 
it would be the first middleweight fight for Canelo Alvarez. So I think from this point, they're obviously, you know, Canelo Alvarez, look, there's no mistaking that this guy is one of boxing's future stars, if not a, a current star or one of the bigger stars in boxing today. I mean, he's in the, he's in the prime of his career, man. I mean, look, he, he is getting better, but he's in the prime of his career right now. 25 years old, uh, he's on top of the world, you know, just came off beating a high elite veteran who's, you know, destined for the Hall of Fame. You know, his confidence level has got to be through the roof now. But for the sake of moving forward, I mean, I don't think they should take two steps back. I think they should really tackle 160 pounds, man. And, again, they're not going to fight Golovkin right away. I mean, it's pretty obvious that HBO has invested interest in both fighters. And I think with Golovkin starting to get these endorsement deals with Apple and with Jordan – uh, he's becoming his own, his own star in his own right. And, 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 you know, before people start talking about, you know, the low pay-per-view numbers, that's not don't, – don't sit and rest on that as far as that being the end-all, be-all to Golovkin's future star status because, you know, we could date back to Roy Jones, who wasn't really ever the big pay-per-view star. Meanwhile, he was regarded as the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world – fighting mostly on HBO. So I think with, with Golovkin and with Canelo Alvarez, I think both of these guys are destined they're, – they're on a collision course. I mean, that, that, that's pretty obvious. But I think, you know, if you think that this fight is going to happen in May, don't hold your breath. <laughs> um, I'm thinking um, Canelo's going to fight somebody. In, I mean, they already said that the May and September are the two dates that he's going to fight in 2016. Um, Gennady Golovkin is likely going to fight three times next year. Um, I would think he would, uh, he's going to be fighting a mandatory in February. And then I would think the next best option would, it would be for him to fight, uh, the winner of, uh, Billy Joe Saunders and, uh, Andy Lee, because at that point you're, you're potentially scooping another title that they, um, Andy Lee has WBO title, so it would, it, you know, for argument's sake, he wins the WBO title. He would be the WBA, the IBF, and WBO middleweight champions, and the interim WBC champion, leading into a potential fight with Canelo Alvarez. You know, let's say for argument's sake, the fall of 2016 or even May 2017, which is my prediction <laughs> uh, as far as when that fight will happen. For the first time in quite a long time, that it would be for the undisputed lineal middleweight championship of the world, which would be just crazy, you know. And, and, and being the middleweight division, as we've been saying throughout the, the the lead up to this fight and just in past shows, the middleweight division is is a is a storied division, man. I mean, when you talk about the Ray Robinsons of the world, when you talk about the Jake LaMottas, the, the Marvin Haglers, I mean, it's just, you know, in the recent years, Bernard Hopkins. I mean, the list just goes on. I mean, we could talk all day about the middleweight division. Carlos Monson. Um, it's, it's a storied division, and I think for that fight, man, I mean, especially for all the belts, I mean, I don't think there's any division in boxing that has that type of 
realistic scenario that could happen, again, due to the fact that, you know, there's fighters and different promotions and different networks that can't get together to make a fight, at least in the sense of it being like a big lucrative fight where, you know, the, you know some red tape will have to be walked through. But, yeah, man, um, props to Canelo Alvarez, man. I mean, he fought a really good fight, uh, impressed me, and... You know, we'll, uh, I mean, if you didn't get a chance to see it in its entirety, I mean, if you have the Internet, the Internet's your best friend. Or you can uh, wait uh, and watch it on HBO, which uh, it will air not at 4.30 during the, the Klitschko versus uh, Fury fight, but I, they do, I think they're going to air it on the replay uh, at 10.30. Could be wrong, but I, I think that's what they're, they're, uh, they're planning on. So, yeah, so that's pretty much it. So, as far as Canelo Alvarez and Miguel Cotto are concerned. Now, as far as news that we got officially today, I had made mention of this uh, two weeks ago, or actually last week. January 23rd, the debut of PBC on Fox, which is, again, another acquisition from Al Heyman. And, you know, he has now ABC slash ESPN, NBC, CBS, and now Fox. He's, it's like he's got all the angles covered, man. And, it, again, it leads me to believe still that he's becoming the Vince McMahon of boxing, man, where he's just sucking up all the network time from all these major networks uh, and, and really just televising his brand on those networks. And it's kind of crazy when you think about it. Uh, if you look at how Showtime in a sense, has kind of decreased its big fights. I mean, they're televising Quillen versus Jacobs, but, like, when you look at the fights that they've had since these network deals have come about, um, wow, man. <laughs> like, it really looks like all we're going to be seeing next year, uh, it looks like just a lot of showbox fights, which I guess isn't a bad thing per se, but, I mean, when you talk about, you know, competing with HBO and, you know, when they were talking about like Showtime was going to, you know, destroy HBO because Mayweather signed this lucrative deal at the very end of the day, man, like, um, you know, you know, the matchups make the networks and, and the thing with the networks too, HBO will always have more subscribers than Showtime, but I think they're really just taking it out of the cable realm and they're really, putting all these big fights on regular TV, which, again, I ain't mad at. <laughs> and I don't think really anybody is, is, is a, you know, when, when it concerns, you know, fights on Fox. But January 23rd, we are going to officially see Danny Garcia versus Robert Guerrero, you know, welterweight fight. And, you know, some of us are kind of like, eh, about the fight, only because, with Danny, more so, I mean, obviously more so with Danny Garcia because of the fact that he's still undefeated. Uh, but, you know, since the Lucas Matisse fight, he hasn't been that guy that I think some of us were thinking he was. Or maybe um, he's not at the level where he thought we thought he would be at by now. So when you think about Robert Guerrero and a guy who, you know, is coming off uh, – well, he, he won his fight against Aaron Martinez. He didn't look good. And then, you know, he, and then he loses to Keith Thurman. Uh, you know, I think for Robert Guerrero, man, I mean, this is really, in, in, all, in all, you know, with all due respect, I mean, that, this is a crossroads fight for him. But here's the crazy thing, man. I think for Danny Garcia as well, though he's undefeated, 
I almost think this is a crossroads fight for him as well because of the fact that since the Lucas Matisse fight, man, he hasn't against top level guys, whether it be Lamont Peterson um, or you know Mauricio Herrera, who again, like some wouldn't regard as an elite fighter, but didn't look good in either of those fights. You know, it leads you, to, it makes you think, like, okay, well, what if he has a tough time with Robert Guerrero? And and it's no no disrespect to Robert Guerrero, but I mean, you know, Robert Guerrero has maybe seen his best days. And I think for Danny Garcia, man, I think more so than Guerrero, I mean, I think he's under a lot of pressure from, you know, really the boxing world as to, you know, leading yourself into bigger fights with the likes of Keith Thurman or even like an Adrian Broner or a Sean Porter or any of these guys, you know, in the PBC brand that would make for like an interesting fight. Um, Robert Guerrero, to me, man, if, if it's the Robert Guerrero that is coming to fight and is taking the fight serious, and, and, you know, I don't know the whole deal with him doing the CrossFit thing. The cross, I mean, I, I don't know if that's really benefiting him. But I, I, I honestly think, man, that if Robert Guerrero uh, it, it takes this fight serious, I mean, he can make it a really hard fight for Danny. And I think for Danny, he's, I mean, I, again, I mean, we all have Instagram and, and, and we see, you know, more so than in the past. I mean, we see these people's everyday lives as far as what they're posting. And, you know, I just, I get this weird feeling that Danny is kind of a guy that is maybe putting himself on a pedestal that, or maybe his people are putting where like, he doesn't belong yet, or at least hasn't proven you know, otherwise, when you think about um, fighting certain guys and, and, and dominating these guys that you should be dominating uh, or, or that or just looking good. So interesting fight, man. And again, I think it's a crossroads fight, not only for Robert Guerrero, but I think also for Danny Garcia. And the fight's taking place at the Stable Center, which is the home, which is Guerrero is going to have a hometown um advantage in this in a sense and i i'm sorry i think it's at the stubhub center stubhub center is staples i i it's one of those two uh but it is, it is on the west coast and robert guerrero obviously would have the advantage and, but you know i think the funny part about this fight and i think everybody thinks about this is um both angel garcia and ruben guerrero going at it with the lead up to this fight and you know both guys um aren't guys that uh, hold their tongue, <laughs> as we saw with Ruben Guerrero uh, when he, when uh, when uh, Robert Guerrero fought Floyd Mayweather, calling out Floyd as a woman beater. I mean, it, it's comedy, man, to me. And with Angel Garcia, I mean, if you follow him on Instagram too, and you know, shout out to my man JD, uh, who, who's a big Danny Garcia fan and, and probably a bigger <laughs> Angel Garcia fan. Um, I mean, in, in, in all aspects, man, I mean, even me being, you know, the hardcore fan that I am, I mean, to me, that's it's funny to me, man. I mean, you know, entertainment is entertainment. But, you know, again, at the end of the day, it's going to be both Danny and Robert in the ring, not both of those guys, even though that should probably be the co-main of <laughs> leading into this fight, man. So, look, we're, uh, you know, we're going to talk more about that fight, obviously, uh, before it happens, which is until January 23rd, 
live on Fox. So to uh, wrap up the show, I guess uh, you know I'm going to be right riding dolo tonight. Um, let's talk about the fight this Saturday, Vladimir Klitschko against Tyson Fury. Um, you know we um, when this fight was announced, you know I, I kind of laughed because it, it was. Uh, one of the one of the rare times where Vladimir Klitschko is fighting not only a guy that is his size but a little bigger, <laughs> and you know Tyson Fury has been a guy that uh, is very vocal, <laughs> um, is very uh, he, he again another guy that doesn't doesn't uh, like to hold his tongue and all the theatrics leading into this fight breaking the watermelon over his head and. Uh, you know, just really joking with, with Vladimir Klitschko, man. And, it, it, you know, it's it, it's funny. He's a character in the sport, man. And, you know, in Vladimir Klitschko, there, you know, it, there's um, – I don't know if there's a lot of question marks per se, but, you know, we we got to start really looking at the fact that Vladimir Klitschko, man, he's getting up there in age. And he's been – uh, I can't recall how many title defenses he's had, but I mean, I think he's he's reaching close to Joe Lewis's record. Um, he's been a dominant heavyweight since a little bit after Rest in Peace, Emmanuel Stewart, uh, since he took over uh, training him. You know, because when he first trained him, I I, I want to say he lost that first fight, but from that point on, um, you know, he's been a very dominant heavyweight. And, you know, there's going to be the argument that, you know, the heavyweight division, and look, I'll agree with this as well, the heavyweight division wasn't, isn't what it was 15, 20 years ago, man, where, you, where there were people across the street that you can knock on their door and say, hey, you know, who's Michael Moore and who's this? And they'll tell you. Uh, Mike Tyson, Vander Holyfield, Riddick Bowe, you know, um, Tommy Morrison, if you want to even go there, Ray Mercer, all these guys. Uh, I mean, these are staples in boxing, and, you know, it was during an era when the heavyweight division, though, you know, you still had the Chavez's, the Whitakers, the Leonard's, and the Hagler's, I mean, the heavyweight division was still the focal point of the sport, you know, and, and it has such a rich history. And I think for the better part of, like, 15 years, man, I mean, we've been really missing that. Um, or I should say since Lennox Lewis left the sport, um, you know, where he was kind of like, uh, he was dominant, though he, you know, he suffered two knockout losses. Um, he, you know, the division hasn't been what it once was, and I think uh, that's been somewhat of the reason why maybe the attention to boxing hasn't been what it once was. You know, when you talk about the the, the great heavyweight fights that we saw even into the nineties, uh, be it the Holyfield Bow trilogy, the whole the 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 first uh, Holyfield versus Tyson fight, uh, which if, again, if you guys didn't see the thirty for thirty, um, Finding Mike, uh, please see it, man. I mean, it, I, I love all the thirty for thirties, especially uh, the one that they did at the U, the, the part one. Um, definitely get a you know uh, get a chance to see it. I mean, it's a really good, really good documentary. But again, not to go off topic, uh, Vladimir Klitschko has really been a victim of you know, fighting during a time where the division wasn't really stacked with a lot of dynamic heavyweights. I mean, I think a lot of the heavyweights that have been coming out have been, um, you know, obviously out of Eastern Europe. And a lot of the, the styles that they have, they don't match 
the excitement that we have come, become used to over the years when we talk about heavyweight boxing. But, you know, with that being said, man, Vladimir Klitschko, you know, whether you love or hate the guy, has been very, very dominant. And I think even to his own fault, man, I mean, I think he, he fights just very, very calculated. Uh, you know, he, he's a tough guy to kind of get inside on. He's using his jab the entire time. Um, pecks at you, pecks at you, and then, you know, before you know it, he just shoots that right hand. And, 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 you know, once these fighters feel that, you see the reluctance of them trying to get inside when they can or, or, or when the opportunity presents itself. So in this fight with Tyson Fury, man, um, again, I think it's an interesting scenario where uh, Vladimir Klitschko is fighting a guy who he's technically smaller than. Um, I think, you know, <laughs> uh, Vladimir Klitschko come fight night, and, or I say fight night, but at the weigh-in, and he's going to be a strong, maybe 245, 250. I, I forgot exactly what he weighs, but, I mean, the night of the fight, man, he's going to be weighing like 260 pounds of solid muscle and adding the fact that the guy knows how to box. And with Tyson Fury... He hasn't seen the, the he hasn't seen anything close to what Vladimir Klitschko can provide or, or can show in this fight. Uh, I favor Klitschko heavily in this fight only because again Tyson Fury has not seen anything remotely close to this. And I think when you talk about somebody who's got definitive power in both hands, be it a jab or be it just uh, you know a, a straight right. Tyson Fury is going to be there. You know, Tyson Fury is not necessarily a great mover. Uh, and adding the notion that, you know, he's got a soft body. And when you, when you think about, you know, Vladimir Klitschko, I mean, I think that his Achilles heel has kind of always been his chin. But he hasn't been clipped there in a quite a long time. Can Fury um, kind of crack open Pandora's box that hasn't been open in quite a while? and really lay some leather on Vladimir Klitschko. Um, my guess is no. Um, I, I think he's going to try to be aggressive, but I think that's going to fall right into Vladimir Klitschko, who, again, I think is just a better boxer, more calculated, more cerebral, and just a, a lot more experienced. And I think the only thing you got to worry about with, with Klitschko, and it's kind of a deal like that people have with Floyd, uh, with Floyd Mayweather is like, is he going to show up old one day? And and I think that's kind of the only chance that I think uh, Tyson Fury has uh, on top of maybe just landing a wild punch. I, I, I just, I see Klitschko just being the better boxer. I think he's going to frustrate Tyson Fury. And I think Tyson Fury just might run into something stupid, which he has in the past. And I think he, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if this fight is like stopped in the you know eighth or ninth round, you know. So I'm predicting a Klitschko stoppage late in the fight. Um, but again, man, I mean, you know, Tyson Fury can can potentially land a big shot because again, he's he's something that Klitschko hasn't really seen is somebody bigger than him. Uh, but again, size uh, in relation to somebody who is not as skilled as the other. You know, when you think about, like, a Canelo and Cotto fight, uh, you know, Canelo's a skilled fighter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and Tyson Fury, though, shows little shades here and there. I mean, I don't think he's remotely close to what Vladimir Klitschko is. And, I, and, when you, and again, when you talk about heavyweight boxing, 
Um, most 200 plus or 220 plus fighters can hurt any heavyweight, man. I mean, it's just it, it, it it's it's just natural, you know. Um, some fighters have bigger beards than others, of course, but you know, heavyweights are not likely to sit there and willingly take shots if you know if they know that the guy is uh, it's pretty hard. So I got Klitschko winning this fight by a late stoppage. I'm, again, I don't know how entertaining it's going to be because Klitschko is, again, a guy that in the, since he got with Manuel Stewart and Manuel Stewart kind of just like tamed him into being just a strict boxer, he's, to his credit, man, he's stuck to that game, you know, and he really hasn't steered away from it. So we'll, uh, you know, that'll be on HBO this uh, this Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, uh, Eastern Standard Time, 1 o'clock, 1.30 uh, on the West Coast, you know, for, for all, all our West Coast listeners. So uh, that's pretty much the show. Ran and Dolo tonight. Shout out to my man Coltrane, who's uh, out of town. Shout out to uh, my man Ride or Die, who's also on the road. And I want to say a happy Thanksgiving to everybody, man. Make sure everybody is safe and sound, you know, we, um, you know, I, I'm always somebody who who says, man, like, you know, just be mindful on the road because you know how things get during the holidays with people drinking and driving. And, you know, it's not so much of people, uh, you know, like our, whether it be our listeners or anybody else, it's more so the, you know, people that, you know, you're not paying attention to that can cause something quite, you know, drastic or, or you know, you're, or just just cause something terrible because of the fact that you know they're drinking and driving. So I'm a, I'm a big component of that, or I'm a, I'm a big supporter of you know not drinking and driving. You know, call a cab, call Uber. You know, <laughs> if 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 they're uh, if they're popping in your state. So like I said before, happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and you know I always say thanks for listening to us. You know we we're uh, like like my man Doc said. You know we speak from the cheap seats. You know we try to give every facet of the sport. Um, be it, uh, you know, we're you know we're we're not gossip kings or anything like that, man. But you know, a lot, you know, we got to cover everything. So uh, you know, I appreciate everybody listening to us. Uh, make sure to, uh, if you if you um, know people, what have you, send the links to everybody. We always have the shows downloadable uh, the following morning for stream and for downloads. So until next week, like I said, happy Thanksgiving, and we'll be talking about obviously. Uh, a recap of uh, Klitschko versus Fury, and you know we got Quillen versus Jacobs that we, you know that's coming up really really soon, and you know we got Felix Verdejo fighting coming up or coming up Nonito Donaire is fighting on True TV as well that's on the same card, uh, so it's still boxing going on into December man so I'm Roberto Flack and again shout out to the whole crew happy Thanksgiving to them and we will see you next Thursday peace. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, 
even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.